And one of the best ways to be the church and be that city on the hill is, as we've seen in the Word of God, is how well we love each other. Uh, Jesus said that. He said that uh, the way they'll be able to tell that we're his followers is how well we do in that arena, at, at loving each other. Because that spills out on the world around us. Uh, uh, Andrew didn't tell you, you should have come to the first service. First service, we handed out pillows and a CD of the message. So we let them take a nap. They're going to listen this afternoon. And, and uh, I, I told them earlier, so they said, you know, the first political party that adds to their platform getting rid of the time change will be a landslide victory that year. I, I believe that, every, especially this one. Every time I'm thinking, why are we still do this thing? But uh, I'm sure there's a, they must have a reason. I don't know that it will work for me. But uh, anyway, just a, a, just a reminder, when we, starting with Palm Sunday, we're going to begin a, a six-week period of time where the emphasis is uh, the church. We say that we are a church that has a heart for the unchurched. And, and so during that six-week frame of time, uh, Palm Sunday, Easter, uh, then the, the, week, the weeks that follow that, the four weeks that follow that, the emphasis is going to be uh, walking, trying to make it very apparent that, first of all, that we understand, you know, we have, you probably all know people that have either, they were part of the church at one point and they walked away, or, or never were because they had, you know, some bad experience with a churchgoer or a Christian. And, and you know, we have a tendency, they'll, they'll begin to tell us their story. And our tendency lots of times is to, to try to defend. And, and I think that's a mistake because, quite frankly, some of the stories I've heard, there are pretty legitimate reasons for walking away, for saying, you know, I really don't want to have a part of that, whatever that is. And, and so part of that period of time is to, to reaffirm they had good reason, but at the same time, to, to, to point to the fact that so many of those reasons were, were wrapped up in the whole idea, the whole wrong thing of what, of what God ever even wanted. They, they came from man's perspective, and we come up with our own rules and our own entrance exams and, and these things that, that are a turnoff. And, and so what I'm trying to say is, during that six-week period, if you have a neighbor or a relative, family member, somebody that... You, you have been sensing, I would really like to invite them to come with me to, to True North. Uh, and that, that would be the time, because I, I, they're not going to get preached at. In fact, I, I believe they're going to come away feeling validated in some of the concerns that they've had, and yet at the same time, finding out that that was never really what it was about anyway. That it was about a relationship about Jesus Christ. And, and actually in this study, as we've been walking through this study on, on gifts, uh, we've talked about this. Now, I want to begin there. Uh, a man, an uh, uh, overweight uh, man, I, I, not me. Uh, I, I didn't put a picture of myself up there. But, he, he, you know, he's probably around my age, and, you know, he's thinking, I'm getting a little out of shape, and I, I need to do something. And and, uh, you know, so he's kind of looking at what, what, kind of, what sport doesn't look real tough. And he looked at, at uh, you know, tennis and has words like love and serve in it. And so that's got to be an easy one. And so he decides he's going to, to uh, learn how to play tennis. So he signs up for classes. And, and so he, he starts attending these classes. And, and just wanting to make sure that he did it right, he actually started reading some books on tennis about having positive thinking and, and the right attitude. And, and so he, w- he was walking through this period, learning these things. And a friend of his who knew what he was doing asked him after a period of time, he says, uh, you know, how's it going? 
you know, how, how's, the, how's the whole tennis thing going? And he says, you know, he says, uh, when I get on the court now and I and I'm get opposite of, of my, uh, uh, my opposition there, and, and you know, and, and uh, he serves the ball to me, and my brain right away says, run to the net, and, 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 and then and it tells me that to hit the ball to the, to the back corner, and, and then my brain tells me to get back to the center real quick, and, and when he returns the volley, to hit the ball to the other corner, and he says, and, and, uh, and then my body says, who, me? <laughs> yeah, I, I get that story, you know. But I think sometimes, I actually think that's maybe the way it is in the church sometimes. You know, we, we, uh, we get this sense, we see something that you, we, we have this, this sense that, that somebody needs to do that. And, and uh, even maybe a little bit of a nudge in our own heart towards that direction. We kind of think, yeah, that's, you know. And, and yet then we evaluate what needs to be done based on, what we think our skills are or, or our limitations, and right away we say, somebody needs to do that, but, but not me. Who, me? I, I can't do that. And, and so we've been talking about this, this whole thing in the Word of God. Paul especially, but Peter also, talks about these, this thing that is part of who we are called spiritual gifts. So we've been working through this, this series on spiritual gifts, and, and we've discovered some things about spiritual gifts uh, one of the things I, I hope, I think that I discovered anyway. I don't know if you're with me on this, but you know, sometimes we go into a study like this, and, and I've I've listened to messages, uh, you know, in the past. But it, one of the things that really has come out to me is is you know, this is not something that we can say one plus two equals three. It, it, it spiritual gifts. I don't believe when the way it's laid out in Scripture, and as we've been walking through it, because it's a God thing. It's really not something, it is something very important because God impressed it on, on the, uh, Paul and Peter especially to write about it, to make us understand that there were spiritual gifts. At the same time, because it's a God thing, if we think we're going to figure this all out, we're mistaken. And I, and I think it's to our detriment sometimes where, where we try to, where we try to say, do this and this and this, or, or you know, here's what the gift is, here's what it means, and here's where it's to be used. I really don't think there's that much clarity, and, and, and uh, we'll talk a little more about that this morning. So so have been walking through this, this, these spiritual gifts. Uh, here's some things we've discovered. Number one, believers all have a spiritual gift. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and remember, that's not, you know, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying if you are a member of True North Church, because frankly, we don't even have membership. You know, I've been asked that, and we haven't talked about that for a while, but we really don't have membership. Our, our, we don't have this list, and, and our, our, if we have membership, here's what it is. If you have invited Christ to be your Savior, if you accepted that gift of forgiveness, you're, you're a member of this church. And uh, so, so, because that's what we see in the Word of God. But if you made that decision, if you came to the understanding that, that something had come between you and God and had broken that relationship, and, and the Word of God says what that something is, is sin. And what sin is, just in a simple definition, it's, it's anything that I do that's contrary to His will. And, and I've never met a person who said, no, when it comes to God, I've always done it right. You know, we all could say, no, yeah, I, I shouldn't have handled that this way. I shouldn't have said that, uh, you know. And, and so 
all of us have we know those things in our life that we knew if we were standing before God, we'd say, okay, I know you didn't want me to do that that way. That's what sin is. And, and that sin, just like in any relationship, it's, it's broken the relationship. And God said there's a penalty, a penalty for sin. There, there's a consequence of sin. And it is that separation. And, and it's also called death. That's what the word death means. And, and so he said part of what had to take place if, if that relationship was going to be restored is that penalty had to be paid. But God paid it. That's why he stepped into our world. That's why Jesus came to the earth. The Son of God came to our world. And, and when he hung on the cross and he gave his life, he died in our place. He made the payment so God can offer you and I a gift of forgiveness. And so if you haven't responded to that gift, it's out there for you. You have, you have to decide. It's just like any gift. You have to decide to either accept it or reject it. But it's up to you to make that decision. And, and, and if you've made that decision, you accepted that gift, what, what the Word of God says is a number of things happened. In fact, there are a bunch of other gifts that come with it, one of which is this thing called spiritual gift, which, which every believer, everyone who's accepted that gift of forgiveness has a spiritual gift, if not more. And so we've been walking through these things, and, and then we also found out, Paul and Peter make this really clear, the health of the church, whatever church it is, is dependent on the people that God sends to that church using their gifts to serve each other. He, and that's why he uses that body analogy. He says it's just like a body. We'll see more of that this morning. Where And, and in a body, every part has to be working or, or you know something's not right. You're not completely healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, some of you know that because th- you didn't get quite enough sleep. And your body is telling you something's not right today. I don't know what it is. And if, and if statistics are right, it's going to take you two weeks to finally feel like I'm past that now. But so, so this is that whole analogy. But So if you're a follower of Christ, if you accepted that gift, you have, you have a spiritual gift, spiritual gifts for the, for the purpose of serving. That's what's in, in mind. And then he also says that uh, we talked about this, that we need to kind of be careful because this is a God thing. These are very important. It is important that we know about spiritual gifts. But to think we know everything about spiritual gift, I think, is, is fooling ourselves. And so as we walk through this discussion, we're talking about these, these general, and, and I quoted uh, John MacArthur last week, and, and I told you a little about, bit about MacArthur. He, he, you, if you ever want to listen to, if you really want to dig in and, and, do, and listen to some good teaching on the Bible, God, uh, the Word of God, and it's going to take you deep, John MacArthur's the guy, and, and you can listen, you can Google him, and he's got all kinds of messages out there. Because he's one of these guys, he loves to dig, and he, lo- you know, he loves to, to look into the languages and, and, and the culture and, and bring all these things into there so he makes sure he has an understanding of what something means. And, and, then, he, and then he tries to lay it out for, the, for his congregation. This is exactly what this is saying, and this is why I know it's true. But it was really interesting because we quoted him last week, and when it came to this issue of spiritual gift, he basically said, well, you know, Got to be careful to think that we really understand. And in fact, here's another quote from him from his commentary on the book of Romans. He says, the thrust of Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the two central passages on spiritual gifts, is not a believer's precisely identifying his gift, 
but on his faithfully using them. It is also significant that each of these passages mentions gifts that the other does not. This leads us to believe that the categories are basic colors, as it were, from which the Lord mixes a unique hue of each of his children. And so he's saying, and MacArthur, who loves details and loves to flush it out and, and loves to come down. In fact, sometimes he comes down and says, this is what this is saying. And, I'm, and, I, and I look at it and say, well, I'm not sure it's quite that clear. But, but he's pretty good at that. But when it came to spiritual gifts, after careful study, he said, we're not, we can't identify this exactly what gifts are, what they mean, what, how they're supposed to be used. This is kind of like this basic color set. And, and from that, an artist pulls these different colors and blends them together and, and makes a beautiful portrait. He said, that's, that's kind of how spiritual gifts work. And so uh, it's important to understand them. It's important to know them. It's important to get busy serving. And as you serve, I think God begins to do things through you. And, and you may never ever put an exact title to it. Or you may. You may say, hey, I can, that's, that, that's in the, at least in this color scheme. Uh, I, I see this, this area. God, you've, you're allowing me to, to, uh, to minister to this person. And, and I, I, you allowed me to teach in the Word of God. So I can see part of my spiritual gifts is in this area. So anyway, so I want to make sure we understood that. And so now here's the list we've been working off of. And like I said, this is kind of that palette of colors. Uh, and, and even in, as we looked at these and, and looked at the two main passages, we found different terminology used there. But this is kind of the basic idea. And, and so today we're going we're gonna to bring this to a conclusion. And we're going to look at these last three, the gift of giving, helping, and mercy, and kind of walk through them. And, and as we start with, with uh, this, you know, here, you know, I've titled this Small But Mighty. Uh, I remember, I'm, I'm a big Batman fan. Have been back to, call, to back in the, the day, the funny books, and we, I, you know, I read the Superman heroes, and Batman was my favorite. And then, you know, all the way back to the, the guy, the big pal, bang, you know, the corny stuff. You look back now and you're thinking, how did we ever watch that? I think it was, a, but, but I loved it. I mean, I, every week, stay tuned next week, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, how can I wait a week for this to come back, you know? Uh, but I remember one of the movies that came out years ago there, uh, Alfred. Alfred, and we talked about Alfred a while back. So I, obviously I, I like Batman, but so Alfred, Alfred has been hurt and he's on his deathbed. And, you know, Alfred's more than just a, just a, uh, the butler for for Batman. He and Bruce Wayne. He he is his friend, and so so Batman is by Alfred's bedside. He's got his hands and he's holding it, and it looks like this is going to be the end. And and he says to his friend, he says, Alfred, he says, uh, any regrets? And Alfred said, uh, just one. I re- I regret that I never got to don the cape and the mask, and help somebody. And, and then there's this, this, this great response from Batman, because he says to, to, to Alfred, he says, Alfred, not, ever, not all heroes wear capes and masks. And, and that's really the sentiment of these, these last three gifts. They're, they're the ones that you may not even notice them. In fact, you, and, and if you're gifted in this area, you may think... I don't really make that much of a difference. But, but the Word of God, in fact, we're going to see in a moment, says these are really, if you, if you want to label, if you want, to, if you want to, to sort these out based on significance, these last three we're going to talk about, these main basic colors, are, are the most significant. Uh, 
He says an interesting thing, uh, Paul does, over in the book of, uh, of uh, 1 Corinthians. He says, yeah, I cannot say to the hand, using this body analogy, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And I think that's what he's talking about in this list. I think he's talking about these gifts that, that are often unseen and, and, and are not the showy ones. And remember, he's writing to the, Corinth, the church in Corinth. And they had gotten this so mixed up. If you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, I mean, that is a, they are a, a church heading down the path. In fact, they're already in destruction. Things are falling apart. Uh, they're a divisive, angry church. And, and a major part of why is because they totally, they totally got this spiritual gift thing wrong. They, they all were chasing after the flashy, the showy ones, the public ones, and, and that's the ones they emphasized and, 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 and basically all tried to have, even though as Paul writes to him, he says, you don't make that decision. God makes that decision. But, but they, wanted to be, they wanted to be up front. In fact, we'll see it show up, in, I think, in, in a second at another passage. And, and, Paul, and Paul writes, and he says, no, you got it wrong. It's those things that you don't even notice that are behind the scenes that quietly, gently touch a life that are in fact the, the, the biggest ones, that make the biggest difference. And so, so we want to walk down through this, and we'll start off with this gift of, of giving, which Paul in Romans, as he writes about it, uses the word contributing. Uh, but he says, you know, if it's encouraging, let him encourage you. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Now, it was really interesting. Sometimes, lots of times, in fact, I would encourage this, if you, as you're reading the Bible... It's it's good actually to have a couple translations in you. You know, you, you you understand. We talked about this before, but you know, in our Bible, in the Old Testament, it was mostly written in Hebrew and, and Aramaic, and so we translated into English. Uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, actually called Common Greek, Koine Greek, and that's because that was the common language of the world in those days. And and God wanted everyone to have access to the Word of God to be able to understand it and read it for themselves. And and, uh, and that's why there's a period of time where, you know, Satan gets in the mix and there's a period of time where the church went to, you know, everything was in Latin. And so you had to get special people to read to you, be able to, be able to understand it. And, and uh, you know, and, and then there came that point where they said, no, this should be in common language, following that example. So, so when we translate, our English translations are, are translated from Greek, from Koine Greek to English. And, and in a translation, you know, if some of you speak more than one language, you know, sometimes it's hard... Some words are, you know, it's kind of hard. They don't translate well, and we run into that in, in doing this. And, and so it's, it's really interesting. As I was looking at this verse and looking at it in a couple of translations, uh, there's a little bit of a difference in, in three of the main translations. The, the NIV, which is what this is, the International Version, the King James Version, some of you grew up on, on that translation, and, and then the one that when I went to Bible college, everybody, we had to use the New American Standard Version. And the reason is it's constructed the closest to the Greek construction, which makes it a pain in the neck to read because 
Greek and English, you got to, you know, they don't kind of flow as, as the same way. And, but that's one we had to use because of that. But, but I was looking at those three translations and it was really interesting because King James Version, it seems like every one of them says it a little different. They all have the idea of give, but King James Version translated this same verse. He that gives, let him do so with simplicity. And then, and then the New American Standard Version says, he that gives, he who gives, same word, with liberality, and I'm thinking, okay, well, what, what's going on here? Well, first of all, let me talk about the contributing, as, as NIV does it, or, or giving, which in, in the uh, other two translations, that's, that word is right there, uh, metadotium, and really, uh, what me, it's two words put together, which is kind of interesting. Uh, meta means companionship, in the middle. It's, it's this idea of being willing to jump into the middle of a situation, and the second part of that means uh, without obligation, uh, from the desire of the heart, and so you put these two words, in, and so this idea of giving here, when what he's trying to get across in using this particular Greek word is, is this idea of of this when someone has the gift of giving. They, they are willing to jump into the middle of a situation that, that really is not their own, and they're doing it without obligation. Now, you all, you've had that experience. Maybe you've worked in an office, and, and you see the boss's secretary coming around with, uh, with the envelope because the boss's birthday is coming up. And she comes up says, you know, we want to we give a nice present for the boss. We're going to put everybody's name on a card. And you don't have to give, but if, you know... And, you know, you're not obligated, but you're obligated, you know. You know how that kind of works, you know, it's kind of that situation. Or, you know, the, 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 the kid, you know, the boss's kid who comes around because it's time for a marching band to get started and they're buying you new uniforms. And so, again, you know, you don't really have to buy these candy bars. I'm telling Dad if you don't, but, or Mom if you don't. But, uh, so, but that's, he, he's saying that this isn't that kind of a thing. This individual who has the spiritual gift of giving, they have this, this desire. In fact, it, it, if there's, they don't have a sense of obligation, they're going to be actually disappointed if you don't let them help you out. It, it's, an, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and, but here's what threw me a little bit, because then as he, that's kind of the giving or, or uh, uh, contributing as, as it was in the NIV. But here's what kind of threw me. You know, uh, NIV says gen, generos, generously. Uh, King James Version says with simplicity. NASV said liberal, liberally. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. How can they be so different? But then I looked at what the word used there meant. And here's what it means. And, and, and so he's trying there. You can't get the, the nuance in one translation. They all, they all hit kind of a different part of, of the heart behind the giving uh, when a person has this. And it's this idea of simplicity, mental honesty, free of pretense, uh, openness of heart, generous. The Greek lexicon says that, that's what this word involves. So this, here's a person who they, they see this need and they want to get in the middle of it. They want, in fact, and, and, and they're going to be really disappointed if you don't let them be a part of what's going on. And so I kind of put together my own list here. So, so someone who has this particular color, and like I said, it can be moved in and, and other things can be a part of it. I suspect often the gift of help or the gift of giving uh, 
goes hand in hand with someone who has the gift of faith. In fact, I think we're going to see that in a moment in another passage. But this person, they give with pure motives. There's no strings attached. You know, they're, they're not going to come back in four or five weeks and say, hey, you know, I helped you out the other day. I need some help now. They're not going to do that because that's not in their heart. It's not in who they are. There, there's no reservation. They're not like, oh, I'd like to, but no, they, they just, it's kind of, and that's again, maybe that faith where they say, okay, go out, God, you know what's coming down the pike next week. You know the bill I got to pay, but, but you've impressed my heart that this person needs help and, and I want to help them. And, and, uh, they're, they, they give with a passion to serve God and others. They, they really have, they want God, they're serving from this heart of God. I want to please you. I want to touch this life on your behalf. And in fact, sometimes, you know, one of the, things, one of the privileges I, I have, and, and I share with you, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, as you folks give generously to the ministry here, part of what we've committed to do, uh, the leaders have, is to, to use a portion of those funds to sh- help missionaries, uh, but also to help in needs that come up. And, and I had an opportunity twice in uh, the last, couple of weeks to do exactly that on your behalf. Someone where there was a need and, and, and they came to us and, and I ran it by the elders and the elders said, yeah, let's, let's help out. And, and here's what I do because I usually, I get the opportunity of giving it to them on a regular basis. And here's one of the things I'll say to them. I'll say, as I give this to you, here's what I want you to know from this. God cares about your situation. He, he knows what's going on. And he knows that you had this need that needed to be filled. And so I don't want you to miss that. I, don't want, you to, I, I, I want you to realize that there are people who love you too, but God loves you, and that's why he allowed us to have the funds to do this. And, and so that's part of their heart as they give. And, and then they're just thrilled. They're thrilled to be, be able to give. And it's not always, you know, sometimes you think, well, yeah, those are the people that they have a lot. That's really not the case. I have discovered that quite often it's the folks that they're on the opposite end of the spectrum and yet they're so giving. In fact, it's really interesting. Actually, this is, should be Second Corinthians, but uh, Paul's writing to uh, the Corinthian church again. And, and you know, he's talking, and, and the Corinthian church, and I suspect uh, early on in Paul's first time there, uh, Paul was actually trying to raise money. There were some really, really, needy, poor churches in other parts of, of the area where he was traveling on his missionary journey. And, and so as he's going around talking to this church, he was also trying to raise some funds to help the other churches out. And, and Corinth was one of those churches. They were fairly well-to-do, frankly. Uh, that was, became part of their problem. But they really were, if they were a part of the haves. And, and, and they had made a commitment that they would give a certain amount of money to help out these other churches. But so much, you know, here's me reading between the lines, but so much of what the, the, the people in Corinth did was about public appearance. And so they had made this commitment, but they'd never followed through. And, and so Paul, in his second letter, he writes and he says, hey, wait a minute. You made a commitment. And he, and, and he gets kind of strong, a lot stronger than I would ever dare do. He says, do I need to come there and, and take it from you? You know, it's kind of that kind of conversation. But then in that whole process, he, he says, you know, here's the example you need to follow. He writes about this church in Macedonia. He says, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial. And listen to this, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. How do those two things go together when we're talking about giving? They're extremely poor, and yet they're 
overwhelmed with joy, out of their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. In fact, they urgently, urgently pleaded to share. That's, that's, that's the gift of giving. This heart that says, I'm sure Paul said, no, you can't afford to do that. And they said, no, we have to. We, we want to. We, we, we're going to be so disappointed if you don't let us help the, the poor churches. And he says, well, you're one of them. And they say, oh, that doesn't, God's going to take care of that. And so, so he's using that as an example. And there's a good, probably a good indication that at least in that church, that, that whole church, there was a lot of folks in that church that had this very special gift that's, that's, that others may not, you may not even know, because often the ones who have this gift, what they do, they do in secret. They're not trying to get it, because they don't want you to know. They just want to make a difference. So Then he goes on, he says there's another gift like that. In that category, the, the small but mighty, and that's the gift of helping. Those who are able, help. If serving, let them serve. In two different words there, two different Greek words, actually. A little bit of, they're, they're kind of close, so they get thrown together a lot. Help me is the idea of support, assistance, relief. Uh, serve is laboring on the behalf. And so you can see how there, there probably may be different colors in this basic color of, of, of uh, helping. I don't, I don't know. That's like I said. We, these things are kind of different shades going on there. I love Dwight L. Mooney. He, he made this statement one time. He says, we may easily be too big for God to use but we're never too small. You know, several years ago, Mary Lou and I, back in the early 80s, we were, we were ministering a church up in the Casco Mountains. In fact, I told you about this probably about a month ago. A uh, little, little country church. Church had closed down. I only had a few people there. Really hadn't had much teaching for a long time. Didn't know how to take care of each other. It's the one that, you know, we had our car got, to- not totaled, but got wrecked, and it was in the shop for two weeks, and for two weeks we kind of had to scrounge around because people just didn't notice. And so they, they, did, they never really had that perspective. And, and that church, they, they, we lived in a parsonage there, and it was an old, airy building. And the main heat of, that, of our parsonage, of where we lived, is that downstairs was a, they used for Sunday school space. We lived in the upstairs part. And, and the main heat was a homemade wood-burning stove. So... So one thing, you could go by our house in the middle of winter, and it never was right. It was, you go by our house, and it would be, you know, 10 below, and all of our windows would be open. Because the crazy thing, you know, I'd soaked it up, and it was too hot now. And, and, or you go by, and, you know, we're walking around in coats, if you looked in the window, because it's too cold. And it just, it just never did it right. And, and because it was a homemade one, it wasn't really airtight. And so I, I had, one winter, I, I burnt. 12 quarter wood one winter to keep us warm. Plus they had those, those lake effect winters up there. You get tons of snow and cold weather. And, and uh, so, so pretty much year round, I'm, I'm working wood. I'm chopping wood. I'm cutting down trees. And, and that was the other thing. They didn't really even think this. It didn't dawn on them that maybe, you know, that would, if we helped him with some wood, that would help with the minute. That never even included them. And so I remember, you know, this winter is coming up and starting to feel that cold in the air. It's probably... Uh, maybe uh, September, October, leaves are starting to tree, and I've been cutting wood as I had time because this ministry has grown and it's becoming more and more demanding. And I had a big stack of logs in my driveway that I had cut and hauled. I'd gone back in the woods and and hauled it out and cut them, and but it all needed to be cut into pieces and split. And I'm just so frustrated because. It should have been done, you know, a long time ago. It should have been split open so it could be drying, and it wasn't. And, 
and, and I'm just, I'm really beside myself, and, and, and I'm, I'm frustrated. I remember I was, you know, getting about midweek, and I'm, and I'm really working on it. I have Sunday coming up, and things I need to get done for that. And I just am, am all feeling overwhelmed. And my wife, in the middle of this, gets a phone call. She has a good friend named Mary that she had gone to high school with. And, and Mary had become a believer about the same time that Mary Lou had. And, and, and her husband, Gary, and, and just a nice couple. They lived about three hours away. And they called, and, and I'm not in there. I'm outside, probably very frustrated. And I come in, and she says, oh, Mary and Gary are coming to visit this week. And I thought, huh, that's just what I need, Visitors. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but being the godly man I am, I'm sure I didn't even show that at all. I was, uh, <laughs> I remember, so, so, so Gary shows up and Gary and Mary and they pull into our driveway and, and we go out to greet them. And as we're going out, Gary walks around the back of his car and flips up, I think I had a van, they flip up the, the back and he pulls out a chainsaw and an axe and a wedge and he said, hey, Paul, I thought you might, could use some help getting wood ready for the winter. And in one day, you know, that two are better, or, you know, two are better than one because they accomplish more than, in one day, we had that all done, stacked, ready to go. Ladies came out and helped us. We were cutting, splitting. They were stacking it, and my, and my winter wood was ready to go before Gary left the next day. That's that gift. No, nobody said anything to Gary. He knew a little bit about our circumstance. I think it's the first time they'd visited, but they, they had been praying for our ministry. And, and God impressed on his heart that, you know, here, Paul needs some help. And, and you know, that you say, well, that, it's about wood, and I'm glad you had heat. No, it was ministry. He, I mean, can you realize the hours he opened up for me to be able to do things that God had called me to do? And, and so that's why this is such a big deal. These, these gifts are, are huge. And he says the gift of mercy. And if there, I, I love all these gifts. I love the conversation because they're about serving each other and about a healthy body. But mercy is such a cool, cool one. I, I ran across this story a while back. And anytime you show puppies, I've, if I just figured I'd show puppies right here because everybody pays attention. We saw they're puppies. But I ran across the story about a little boy was walking down a road and and uh, he sees a bunch of kids gathered in front of a store window, and so he goes over to check it out, and, and he looks in, here in the window is, is a, a mother and a dog and a bunch of puppies around the mother, and there's a sign on the window that says, puppies for sale. And he thought, oh, I've always wanted a puppy. And so he goes inside and to the store owner, and he says, hey, hey, mister, how much are the puppies? And, and he says, well, it depends. They're, they're 30, 30 to $50, depending on which one you want? He said, well, could I look at him a little closer? He says, sure. And he, he, go, he whistles for lady. He says, come here, lady. And the mother dog comes and, all, and the puppies, here's five puppies come running right behind the mother dog. And, and then, then way back in the distance, slowly comes the sixth puppy and he's limping along. And, and the little boy says, well, what's wrong with that puppy? And he says, well, he was born without a hip socket, so he'll never be able to walk. And the little boy says, well, then... I want, that, I want to buy that, pu- that puppy. And he says, son, you don't want to buy that puppy. Uh, like I said, he's never going to be able to walk. In fact, if you want that puppy, I'll give you that puppy. And the boy became indignant. 
He said, that puppy's worth as much as every one of those other puppies. I want to buy that puppy. And, and, and I'm sure this, this guy's, the store owner's thinking, you know, he's going to take that puppy home. And my dad, his dad's going to be back here saying, why did you sell my son this? Hand? And so, so he, tried, he keeps trying to talk him out. He says, son, you, don't you realize that puppy will never be able to run with you? He'll never be able to play. He is always going to limp like that. And you, you really don't want to buy that puppy. And, and at that point, this little boy reached down and pulled his leg up. And there was a brace on his leg. And he says, mister, I don't run so well myself. That puppy's going to need someone who understands. And if you want a definition of mercy... It's someone who understands. They have this, this sense, this ability to, to step into your pain with you. But it's really interesting how he says it because he says, if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And just a couple of definitions. It's this is ability to enter into the needs, heartache, and sorrow of others, to minister cheer and bring encouragement to the afflicted. Or another one that, uh, this is the New Te- Dictionary New Testament words, to feel the misery of another. One other author, those with this gift have an amazing sense of knowing when to speak or stay silent, when to become involved or stay away, when to pray and smile. And in other words, there's a sensitivity to exactly what you need at that moment. Such an amazing, amazing spiritual gift. And some of you have that man. You make such a difference. But it was really interesting because he, he went on and said, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And, and that was kind of like, that didn't, for me, because we're talking about pain and heartache. And, and I thought, well, what's going on? In fact, and then I looked at the word, and, and it's this word hilaritous, which we get our word hilarious from. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is, you know, I've known a few people with mercy like that. It's like, <laughs> you know, in fact, when, when I was, I had two younger brothers. And, you know, bro- brothers are so merciful to each other. You know, one of them falls and hurts, and the other two roll on the, on the ground laughing. You know, that's, and that's kind of what that sounded like. I thought, this, this can't be right. That can't be what he's saying. It's not. But, but, and then when I looked into the word, I understood. Because, you know, the gift of mercy, you know, we have this tender heart for, for others. But if you get sucked into their despair, you're not going to be able to help. And so a person with this gift has this ability to, 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 to keep the balance, to join in your pain, while at the same time reminding you that there's hope. And they stick there. They stick in there. They don't, they don't abandon you. They don't just quote you Bible verses. They're there. They, you know it. Sometimes they don't say a word because you don't need anybody to say anything right now. You just see, need someone who's holding your arm or, or that has their arm. But can you understand why these are so, so very important? We started this series around the subject of serving because that's what we're talking about. And God's made it clear. It's how well we do it, loving and ministering to each other, that is what makes the world look at us and say, I need whatever it is they have. It's not, it's not our rules. It's not, you know, I hope we do a good job preaching the word of God, but that's not what's going to make the difference in a person wanting to know our God necessarily. It's how well we love each other. 
And the word of God says, every, God has gifted everyone in this room with spiritual gifts to be used for this purpose, to serve each other because we're a body. And if we don't, the body won't be healthy. Father, thanks for this reminder, this important reminder of, of this very valuable part of who we are as True North Church. And Lord, I, we, we could easily get sidetracked